Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. Welcome back to another episode of Sales Velocity TV. I'm Andrew Cass. That's Aaron Parkinson to my left. Maybe you're right. And we got a good one today on insider secrets, Aaron, as to how the best of the best sell and succeed today amongst all this competition that we actually have today, which makes it really difficult today with the internet and social media and all the different exposure we have to products and services. But there's I don't know if you want to call them secrets or commonalities amongst the best of the best who sell really well today from CEOs to business owners to entrepreneurs to sales professionals. And we're going to go deep and talk about exactly what they do because we are in the top 1% of sales professionals. And it's interesting because I think that business owners who maintain an element of still doing some of the selling in a business, they maintain a certain kind of an edge that a lot of business owners don't have today because they, they step away from selling when they become successful in the business, I notice. And, you know, you and I have not done that, at least to my knowledge, in quite a long time. So we're still in the game. Yeah, the, we, we, pay, we play both sides of the coin. Like for, for our services that we offer, you and I tend to meet with a lot of people directly because we want to make sure that the right people are working with us and, you know, the wrong people aren't, you know. And the only way to do that oftentimes is to speak to them directly. Um, at least it certainly has always worked well for me. Right. But we also have a lot of clients where we start to help them scale their businesses and the, and the businesses scale too quickly and all of a sudden they can't handle it and then they got to move into building sales teams. So, you know, what we're going to be talking about today is if you're the salesperson in your organization, this is going to dramatically help you. If you're building a sales organization, you, you or your sales manager needs to put a lot of focus on these six, seven key elements to ensure you're getting the highest level of productivity out of your people. And, and some of them, you know, uh, people listening to the show are going to go, ah, we don't do anything, you know, like that. And, <laughs> you know, we're here to tell you, uh, your sales could be better. Well, you it's know, funny. It's, it's funny you bring that up because I think just today everything in life, for the most part, is counterintuitive, right? It's usually not what you see on the surface. So, like if you see someone really succeeding in a certain niche, or even in sales as a whole, which we'll talk about today, it's oftentimes because they're doing certain things that the majority are not doing. So, the, yeah, you know, it's, the, it's, it's like, I, we, like they're always say. willing to do the uncomfortable, where many are not willing to do the uncomfortable. We'll talk a little bit about that too, because it's an important commonality, really. Yeah. And, and one of my, you know, I think it's one of your favorite quotes as well as that small hinges swing big doors. Yes. Right. And, and sometimes we, we sort of have a framework that's good, but if that framework was great, then your sales go from good to great. Yes. Right. And when we're, and when we're talking about the back end of your process, the process that's closest to the money, any incremental improvements dramatically increase the bottom line. Right. So, you know, we're going to go through a, a couple here and I'm actually going to, I'm going to let you handle, you know, the first one I, I could handle it too, but this is, I mean, you, you live in, and die by this methodology. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, you know, when we look historically at like what we think salespeople quote unquote are, you know, we get the vision in our head of, you know, 
the car salesman, you know, the Glen Gary, Glen Ross yeah. sitting yeah. around drinking coffee, it's smoking cigarettes. It's the old cigarette. Hollywood stigma, right? Yeah, there's that yeah. stigma assigned with it. And, and the reality is it doesn't matter what industry you're in. The people who are great at it have some commonalities. And, and before I hand it off to you, I'll say this. Do you remember what golfers looked like before Tiger Woods came to the plate, Andrew? Um, yeah, I feel like they were a little like old school looking. I feel like he, I feel like he contemporaryized, contemporized, if that's a word. I feel like he just, he kind of made people look a little bit more athletic and a little bit more organized, right? You know what? When, when you look at the golfers pre Tiger Woods era, they were, they weren't fit. Kind of props of them were super, super over, you know, overweight, you know, they were not athletes. And then Tiger Woods came onto the scene. The guy lifted weights. He did. He had a nutrition program. He was an athlete, and he absolutely diced the competition. You remember, like he came out and it was, it was shoot like Tiger, shoot Tiger Long rate of that, Aaron. Right? Uh, they just... they had to basically extend golf courses to fit, you know, his new driving distance yeah. and and all, and and, he, and and by by the final day. He was just hitting this groove where most guys were getting tired and falling off. Yeah, right. I remember, you look at Brady, right? He's setting records every single month. He's still in the NFL. Why? Because he takes his health and nutrition so seriously, and he has from day one. He didn't wait until his body was falling apart to start to to take it, and he's revolutionizing the position because of that. One of my favorite sports which is mixed martial arts, because you know that I used to compete in mixed martial arts. If you look when they started, it was like bar brawlers and... Kind of rough around the edges, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, a lot of guys that didn't look, you know, too particularly impressive. They, have, they had no ears left. <laughs> right, like now, the guys that are coming into the UFC today, these are, are specimen athletes. Yeah, yeah. Specimens. And, and I remember when George St. Pierre came into mixed martial arts, he was the first specimen athlete and he absolutely dominated the landscape because he was so better physically prepared. So big tip number one is health first. If you want to have an excellent sales team or you want to be an excellent salesperson, I suggest you don't even look at your numbers yet. You look at yourself, look at your appearance, look at your energy levels, look at your nutrition, look at your workouts. And ask yourself if you're really optimized. I agree totally. And it's counterintuitive. It's not what anybody thought we were going to start with. And you're right. It's a passion of mine because I've never, I've never really seen anybody produce in business. It's funny. I look at CEOs. I'm always speaking to and, and looking at and analyzing CEOs, leaders of companies, um, entrepreneurs who've carved out big names and big niches. Take, take somebody like a Tony Robbins as an extreme example. You know, guy's probably worth close to a billion dollars at this point. Yeah, he's over a billion Is now. He's over a billion. Okay. You know, greatest personal development mind and you know, coach and advisor to some of the top CEOs in the world to this day that have him on, you know, million dollar a year retainers. He's he always talks about about before you do anything you got to get in the state to do it first. He's big on state. If you look at Tony's training, he's big on getting yourself into a state so that you can perform. Doesn't matter if it's athletics, business, selling, getting yourself into the right state. You can't get into the right state if you don't take good care of yourself. So one of the things I've noticed, this is now my 24th year. You're probably a little bit behind me because I'm a little older than you. My 24th year in the business of sales and marketing. I've been selling, supporting myself selling 
for 24 years. That's two, two and a half decades at this point, meaning I've either sold directly to support myself or I've sold via, you know, selling a business or selling through a business, right? And the one thing I've noticed about people like myself is they take extremely good care of themselves so they can keep showing up, like you said, every day with the energy to communicate well. Because sales is all about communication. And if you can't show up well to communicate well, if you're not articulate, if you're not enthusiastic, if you don't have energy, we talked about Jordan Belfort before. He was always like, you know, love him or hate him because he comes from a controversial background, but he's known as a, as an international sales trainer. And he always says like his, his number one thing always when we went to any of his events and I worked with him a long time ago and he's always like, you know, people are looking for people who are sharp as a tack. So if you're a salesperson, if you're a business owner, you're the one selling the person on the other end, they want someone who's as sharp as attack. He would always use the sharp as attack um, phrase. And, and that's that comes from, A, taking good care of yourself. Where we're going to go next is being a master of your product and service and really, really becoming a specialist on it. And I think it's kind of obvious if you don't know your product and service in and out and you're not using it in most cases, right? The usage it, of it, it seems, is another it one. It seems obvious, but... It seems I, obvious, I just, but it's, it's not I, as... So I see so few people do it, you know, especially when they're hiring salespeople, you know, they'll, they'll basically say like, here's, here's an outline of what we've got. Here's our price points. Here's our, our features and benefits. Uh, here's a script and go. Right. But do they ever take the time to let the person touch, feel, go through the product, ask questions, you know, look at competitors, compare yourself to competitors. What makes you different than them? What's your USP, you know, who, who is the ideal fit? Yep. You know, when you, when you, when you know the product inside and out, then you never get caught off guard by questions from left field. Like the moment that somebody starts asking you a question like, well, you know, what happens at this point of the product or how does this point of the product work? Or how does this product compare to these guys product? Over here? The moment that you start umming and awing about your product, let me get back to you on that about the credibility just falls right out of the floor. Right. And that was Jordan's big thing is he's yeah. like, be sharp as attack. Know your stuff inside and out. So you are impenetrable by questions. Now, here's the interesting part about that is, and this should be the case, I'm going to say 98% of the time. When you are a user of and a lover of your product, selling and communicating that product is a complete note brain. You take all the stress. And you take all the overwhelm out of selling. It, what blows me away more, Aaron, is not that people don't know their product. It's that they don't use their product, but yet they go sell their product. I'm going to give you a couple examples. Example number one is the financial services industry, which is where I got my start. That's where I was, I was trained to be a, an excellent communicator because back when I was in the business of financial services and, and, and I was a retail stockbroker in New York before the internet, we had to be really good on the phone, but we had to go through a lot of training to communicate well on the phone. The phone was the media then where I think video like we're on right now is the media today, right? So we had to get good at this too. But it's amazing um, in that industry, how many people don't have money in the stock market, but they're selling, you should put money in the stock market. It's like, and this is the same with insurance. They're selling this, you know, sophisticated insurance policy. And shockingly, if I ask them, do you own that policy? Do you have money in that policy? Do you have skin in the game? The answer oftentimes, not all the time, is no, right? So you look at a lot of these little examples, like you look at our company Pipeline Pro software, probably one of the greatest software platforms on the planet that we used for over a year before we said, wow, this can be marketed 
to business owners and we could we could help them fill the void we filled, which was having everything all in one place, right? But using it passionately, imagine trying to sell it. It's it's obvious. Personal trainers. Most of them work out, shockingly, not all of them work out, but they're selling listen, there's not there's no bigger disconnect than seeing an overweight personal trainer. It happen, like, it happens, or it on the other side the of it, or seeing a skinny chef. <laughs> <laughs> Right? That's, I maybe that one's not. Chef, that, I still that's think a stretch. Chef that's a stretch. I look, I look at Gordon Ramsay and I'm like, that guy's got it dialed. And, and he actually goes back to my original example. But yeah, man, when I walk in and I meet with a nutritionist or I meet with a personal trainer or they a product whatever, of the product? And they're not healthy. I'm like, your, your credibility is instantly gone for me. It's I'm gone. Out. You know, I'm not even listening to what you're saying anymore. Right. right? So, so, you know, having – taking the time – like if you're the if you're doing the sales and you're the owner of the company, clearly you're going to know, uh, you know, the majority of what's going on in the product and what makes it special and so on and so forth. But when you start bringing salespeople in, don't rush to get them to the table. Get them that product. Get that product in their hands. Get them familiar with it. Make them fans, right? Like what? What's the easiest way to sell is to have fans raving about your product, right? If you can create a raving fan around your product and then put them into the right processes for selling. Look out. Yeah, and let's talk about some of the ways to do that before we go to the next one because that's the part that's tricky. It's one thing if you're the owner and you created the product and you've used the product and you still use the product right now, right? That's easy. But now when you want to go duplicate and scale with a sales team, naturally, not all the time are they going to be able to use the product. So if you take that insurance example, you might not have your 10-person sales team on your sophisticated insurance policy, but you might be, and it might be a game changer for your for your your family financial planning. But how do you then get the 10 sales guys, in my example, to buy in? So right off the bat, we got to get them super educated on the product. Show them yeah, and we gotta get cases, them, right? Yeah, and we got to get them educated on the process. Mm -hmm. Have them go through the process of becoming a customer through your sales process so they can experience it. Have them give you feedback. Have them tell you what they liked, what they didn't like. Maybe you can make some modifications to improve it. You know, you and I have a client that, that we literally did this the other day. We put a secret shopper through the client's uh, entire sales process. And they said, well, these five things were good, but you know, this guy who was doing the presentation sucks. And you know, this, this access to information was, you know, below average and blah, blah, blah. We put, we put the secret chopper through and now they're making improvements to adjust. Put your salespeople through the process, not just the product, the process. So they can understand it inside and out because that's a big part of it, right? When, when you're doing high level sales, the, 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 the prospect always wants to know what's next, right? So when a prospect asks me what's next, I'm like, let me tell you what's next. You know, you're going to get a proposal. Then you're going to send any questions you have to me. Then you're going to get onboarded into my, you know, project management system. Then my PM is going to give you a demo and then we're going to do a sales briefing and then we're going to talk about your project. And then this is going to, and they're just like, wow, like these guys have this thing dialed. I think right? you make and a great point about product in process, product right. in process. And I would almost take it a step further Aaron, and say, not only take them deep on the process, but if you can make them a customer. Use, stay with my financial services example. Why are your salespeople not customers of the product that they're selling if it's possible? It might not always be possible, but if it's possible. It might possible, not always be possible, but you can gain some amazing information by just simply, I say, hey, there's no pressure. I'm not going to fire you if you don't want to become a customer of mm -hmm. what we do, but what stopped you, right? You can gain so much information that's useful 
you know, in your sales process, if, if they say, well, you know, eh, you know, that the, the, the software was clunky or the, the pricing seemed completely out of whack, or I just didn't see the benefit or, you know, but those are questions. Those are hard questions you need to answer yourself as a business owner. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a good point. It's a good point. And, and, and again, there's certain instances where it's not real. I'm thinking of a, of a client I have, really good guy, been a client of mine for a long time. I've mentioned him on the show before. He's a patent attorney here in Florida, has a great business. And he has like four or five sales guys, which is a new thing for him over the last 12 months or so. He's never had sales guys. It's, it's, not, it's not common to have sales guys in, in a law firm, which one of the things we've helped them do is business has tripled because of it. Um, but he does patents. You're not going to have your sales guys go buy a patent because they don't necessarily need to patent anything. Right. So there's one. No, of those but examples. they could go through the process. Of course. Yeah, that's where I'm going. So there, there are going to be instances where you can't necessarily buy into the product at all times. But if you go through it, like you said, as if you were buying and you and you you look at it from that regard, that's your greatest sales training of all. So few do that, though. So like yep. you said in the beginning, they're, they're rushing to put people on the phone or get them on Zooms, but they've not done the one one training, which is taking them through that process you mentioned as if they were the customer. Better if they become the customer and put actual money in the game. If they can't, though, next best thing is to pretend they're becoming the customer and, and essentially just play prospect, right? Becoming a prospect and then ultimately becoming a customer of what you sell is the greatest way to sell more with less resistance. We talk about it all the time on the show. Is you well, are I, I, so I know. you're in it, right? Yeah, and I know when we've got a great product or offer because you and I'll find that our team went off and, and either started doing it or bought it, and we don't even know. And they're telling us like, "Wow, you know, I've been going through that product or whatever. It's amazing." And we're yep. going, "You are like, stay focused on our business." But the product was so good, they got derailed yeah. and yeah. went, you know, down the rabbit hole of that particular product or service, right? So. That kind of brings me to my next point, which is that, you know, I reference Simon Sinek's Start With Why a lot. And if you've never watched Simon Sinek's Start With Why TED Talk. Yeah, you, 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 that that's to, one of your, I think that's one of your all-time favorite pieces. It, it is. Because you because bring it up it, a lot, and rightfully so, by the way. It, it, it cuts through the confusion for a lot of people, and it sharpens their knife if they get the point. And the point is that you're, you're not here to sell to everybody. You're here to sell to people who believe what you believe, Right. So this is the next point on our list is you, it's really, really important for you to know who your product or service is for and who it's not for, right? Because people want different things. They're at different buying cycles. They're, you know, they're, their finances are in different areas. There's all these different factors, right? Mm -hmm. When you clearly know who your product or service is for and you can speak to the prospect, and let them know who this is for and who this isn't for, right? The people who it's not for that you're talking to are gonna realize this is, this is for them later on when they become that ideal you know, prospect for you, you know, your product or service, right? Yep. But the people who it is for, they're checking boxes. They're going, that's me, that's me. That's me, that's me, that's me. And they're selling themselves. And what this allows you to do is really magnetize the right people to you where there's no resistance and repel potential you know, clients that won't be a good fit for you right now and are probably gonna cause you nothing but headaches and grief and eat up all of your time and giving them a roadmap to come back to you when they are 
ideal, which happens all the time. You and I both know it. We, we send people away all the time and say, we're, you're not ready for this right now. You, you are, you know, our ideal client has this, is this, is this, is this, is this in six months, you know, come back to us when you're ready and then we'll, we'll help you take it to the next level. Right. Yeah. And it's a great place to be when you're able to turn people away, by the way, it's a different point we'll make in a minute, but when you're okay, turning people away, you've sort of arrived. Most salespeople are, they, they, they get scared of loot. They're, they're operating from a standpoint of lack and fear of losing the deal. I don't want to niche down because I could lose people. I don't want to tell them it's not a fit for him because I might lose the sale. So you're operating from a position of loss, not a position of gain. That's the biggest mind space thing I see with salespeople more than anything today. Professionals as a whole is they're not operating from a, from a place of abundance. They're operating from a place of scarcity and not losing and playing not to lose and not playing to win. And it's, you know, it's a whole dynamic that takes all, it's a paradigm shift that takes some, takes some time to get out of and move past. And it's just repetition and time in the game. and, And that clarity and authenticity in your presentation is so attractive to the right people. It's so attractive. Right. And you know, I can't remember who told me the quote one day. He said, you know, when you're making decisions on buying something or you're making decisions on bringing on a client, it either has to be a hell yes or a hell no, nothing in between. All right. Or all so when, you can, when you can get yourself in that position yep. where you can very clearly define this is a hell yes or a hell no and nothing else in between is allowed, man, that the, the power and the confidence that you can wield from that is it's big phenomenal. it's power and authority and at the end of the day business is all about power and authority whether you like it or not so is sales and it doesn't mean you overpower someone it no. doesn't mean you over authority someone it means you are in control of the conversation and that's a big difference people get confused with power as it pertains to sales and they think you know overpower the person it's not about that it's just it, it's being, it, it's having the power to control the conversation. It's a, it's a communication thing more than anything. And at the end of the day, if you're buying from somebody, you would like leadership. You would like somebody that handles the conversation well and leads the conversation. You don't necessarily want to hire. I didn't hire someone the other day, Aaron, and I forget why, for something, I don't remember what it was for, uh, for somebody to come on within the company because he was too lackadaisical, too loose, not enough controlling of me. I would like to be controlled and led a little bit. I didn't feel like I was being led to the result that I would want to get if I'm going to put someone on a retainer, right? So I'm saying this in return as an end user as well. I'm not saying this as the yeah. salesperson running the sales show that this is what we this is what we'd like done to us as well. I would like to see leadership and I would like to see some power because I know that if I'm going to put a retainer down and you're going to do this thing for me every single month, I'd like to know that you have the balls to lead. Well, and, and we have this conversation, you and I, all the time, right? Which is that if you're offering a product or service to somebody and you actually have to physically meet with them, mm-hmm. right? What All the things that we're talking about today, the structure and the knowledge create the power and the leadership organically. Yeah. Right? And, you know, if you're talking about, let's just take, you know, financial services, for example, right? If I meet somebody who's in financial services, I want confidence. I want education. I want, I want to feel like they're smarter than me, right? I want to feel like they got their stuff together. And here's why the alternative to that is someone talking to me, you know, like they're my friend, like they're my neighbor. Guess what? I don't want to invest money with my neighbor. Okay. My neighbor is not richer than me. 
right? I want to invest my money in somebody who's going to lead me, keyword lead me to the promised land, right? And having all of these things, this structure, you know, is what will create that leadership vibe, you know, for your people. Yeah. Now, the, the next point, which, uh, you know, I don't want you know, you to, you know, before that. you go to the next point, though, I'm laughing because, you know, the million dollar because I come from that industry many or many decades ago, two decades. ago, Right. Is that the, the, the million dollar question always when you're on the other side of that conversation is how much money do you have invested in this thing? Is the question that the really smart client will ask back insurance policy, stock market, 401k, IRA, whatever it is. Do you have this policy set up for you and your family? And if you don't mind me asking, how much money of your own do you have in it? Normally, it's a deer in headlights moment and an immediate loss sale. Unless you're in it. And I don't know how you can sell it if you're not in it. And really, that's the point of today is top 1%. They're in it. They sell it so yeah. well because they're in it. They, they live it. skin in it. the game and they live it. Right? It's just, it's a total day. So listen, if you're, if you're listening to this right now and you feel like, Sales isn't for me. I'm not a good salesperson. I just can't communicate it well. Oftentimes, it's because you don't own it and you don't, you're not pleased with what you own, which to me means get the hell out of that product and service and go find something else to sell. Absolutely. Right? No question about it. You know, it, it's, you can only fake it till you make it for so long yeah. and, and it's just going to grind you up, right? The, the next point is, that we have here is yeah. uh, constant education. Right. I mean, I think that I think that the statistic is the average CEO reads 50 books a year or something like that. I don't know what the average top one percent salesperson reads a year. Well, I can tell you that they're definitely studying their craft. Readers are leaders. Leaders are readers, as corny as it sounds. And there's no question about it that they're always looking for another nugget in another way, not to be a better salesperson, but to be better communicators of what they sell. Big. And that's the big thing. Like, I think people are always looking for like sales specific training, but really what they want is better communication, better understanding of what they have to offer, better understanding of themselves. So they're constantly learning, right? And that could be through podcasts, that can exactly. be through YouTube, that can be through books, that can be through organizations, masterminds that you're a part of. But if you're not growing, you're declining, right? There is no such thing in, as, as maintenance. I think maintenance is you know, the only time you can actually maintain is maybe in the gym, you know, but otherwise the world is moving forward you're not going to stop that progression. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the other day, Andrew, I, I said to somebody, they said, what do you think about, you know, your kids watching YouTube all the time? You, you think it's a bad thing? I said, well, there's some things that are bad things, but there's also things that are really interesting that are coming out of it. Fact being, my 14-year-old son, who you know very well, when he was 12 years old and he would throw some random fact out, I stopped questioning if it was true. At when he was 12 years old, I realized he knows more than I do. He might not be as wise as I am, but he knows more than I do because he's consuming information at a rate that I didn't have the opportunity to. The amount of pure knowledge that he has access to. This is the way the world is going. People are getting smarter, more access, more resources, more whatever. If you're not keeping up, your days are numbered. Mm. Yeah. As they say, school is never out for the pro. And you're right. It, it loops back to the, the second one, I think it was, where when you're sharp as a tech and you know your product and you live your product and you own your product and you are emotional about it and you feel good about it, then absolutely you're going to want to keep educating yourself about it and how to do it better, say it better, communicate it better for sure. And it leads me to the next one, which is case studies and testimonials and using other people. The top 1% don't really sell their own product at, at a certain point. 
it gets sold for them. They are masters. And we talked about this in trust-based marketing, I think it was, or trust-based two or three episodes ago. Check it out. We talked about how to use third-party validation, third-party social proof to essentially validate what it is that you're saying because you'll be believed some of the time, but other people saying it about you or your product will believe will be believed most of the time. And that's, that's a huge turning point in your sales process. And a lot of people are presenting on Zoom today. Like we're talking right now, I could be presenting to you. This could be like a, a presentation of some sort of product or service. And, you know, the quicker I can get to the point where here's what we did for this person, this person, this person, and this person, and show and tell it, the less resistance and the easier it is to sell. Very few people do it, right? Yeah, we're working and, and with it, the group, as you know, right now, and we're working with the coaching group right now, and we are adamantly pushing them to get as many testimonials and case studies about you and your service as you can. And a lot of them are like, wow, that's, I've never really had to do that or thought to do that before. It's common. That's a common reaction is to not default to that. It's not common in selling, but when you continue to ramp up the case studies and testimonials, hopefully you have them. If you don't have them, there's a bigger problem there, right? But if you should be able to get them at will, and, and when you do, whew, yeah, and, it takes and, a lot and of edge we talk about this a lot about having them in forward-facing materials to break down the resistance before people get to you. But yep. when I'm doing uh, a, a sales, you know, call presentation, whatever you want to call it, I'm listening, you know, a lot of the time in the first ten minutes to to analyze where this person's at, and then I'm searching the database of my brain, going. Who am I currently working with now or who have I worked in the past that most closely aligns with this person, not just where they want to go, but potentially where they started, you know, and then I'll reference that, you know, I'll say we, we had a client just like you in XYZ industry and then, you know, we did this and this and this and this, which consequently you're missing over here. And then we put this and this and this and this in place. And then 10 months later they were here and, and the person now sees their future they see the through that other experience and goes, oh, they can get me to where I want to go. Now I could say what you should do is this, 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 but it doesn't have the power of saying, you know, we had a client just like you, or we have a client just like you that's in, you know, blah, 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 blah. And here's what we did. We did the same thing with you. And they're just like, Oh, the, the, the road's already been paved. Right. If it's, someone else can do it, I can do it. Right. Right. If somebody when else you can see do it, it, I can do it. When you see it, when, when you see, see it. it and when they see it by someone else, not you saying you did it but showing right. how you did it, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's before and after, it's case study. And if yeah. you can support that with, oh, by the way, if you want to learn more about that person, just jump on my website. There's a testimonial from them there. Case study, right? If you, you know, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but you should be doing interviews or at least have someone on your team interviewing your top success stories. Could be a video, could be a little 10-minute interview like we're doing right now, and you get those things on the web. They live in social media. They live on your website. That stuff is gold for getting people over the hump who are thinking about it and they need a push or a little, you know, a, a little get me over the hump. That's the stuff that does it. It's case studies, testimonials, and third-party validation. Could be text, could be video, could be case study. Doesn't make a difference. But that stuff is hugely underused in sales yep. processes today. And, it's, and, yet, and I would and tell yet. you out of all these, Aaron, it's the one thing that can move the needle the most is getting as many third-party testimonials, case studies, third-party validation, social proof as you can into your sales process to take the edge off of you, frankly. It does, you know? And 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 that, you know, we've I think we've covered that topic, you know, sufficiently. Can't say it enough, point. I guess, right? You know, the, the next thing is where we start to get into the numbers. Yes. And and I, and I want to 
I want to preface this with a story. So, you know, a few years ago, um, I was working with a client and, um, they're, they're actually a really well-known software company, um, based out of Utah. And they had a, 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 you know, professional sales team. And I was looking at their numbers. I was looking at their conversions and I was thinking, this is, this is abysmal. Like this, cause, cause we, we know what they should be. You and I have been in this industry for 15 years. We know what the conversion should be at every step of, of any process. And they were just horribly awful. And I was asking them all these questions and they weren't giving me straight answers. I said, you know what? I'm going to fly there. I'm going to fly to Utah. So I flew to Utah and I walked in their building and it was an absolute disaster of a setup. <laughs> they were, they were missing every possible thing you could think to put their people in a position of success. And the, and the thing that jumped out at me the most was the next point, which is they had no targets, zero. No, right? no benchmarks, whether you're doing no goals, this, right? No. I mean, whether you're doing this on your own or whether you're hiring a team, you have to have very clear weekly, monthly, maybe even daily. Actually, I would even take that a step backwards. I would say at minimum daily and weekly goals, right? And they have to be clearly outlined, you know, of what your goal is for the day, what your goal is for the week. It has to be... Um, audited, reported on. And, and the reason why is because, it, w w you know, a goal with, without a date is just a wish, right? Like we, we say that all the time, right? And if they don't know what they're striving for, then you don't know whether to chastise them or reward them, right? If you're on your own and you don't know what you're actually striving towards, you just get in this perpetual cycle of doing, which just burns you out. Yep. That, if, if you have these goals clearly outlined of what you want to achieve on a daily, weekly, maybe even monthly basis, and you surpass them, you need to stop and celebrate that. You need to take the endorphin hit from that. If your team hits it, you need to celebrate that with them. You need to reinforce good behavior. You need to do these things. If, they're, if, if, you, if you have a goal and they're not hitting it, then you know there's a problem and you can start to analyze what's going wrong. But if you just have this open-ended, we'll see what happens situation you can't analyze and fix and you can't celebrate because there's nothing to to map it against you can't grow what you don't measure and in sales all of the organizations that have the whiteboard up and there's a little bit of competition this is if you have a physical if you're in a physical environment it's easier to do but if you're in a virtual environment it can be done as well and there needs to be a place could be in a slack channel you might have a sales team slack channel right if you don't have that element of people physically in an office where you're competing and there's camaraderie. But, you know, when I came up in sales, there was always a big whiteboard in the front of the room. There's 50, 60 guys in the room. There's little pockets of teams and everybody's competing. It's like a golf tournament. The score is right up there. Every hole they go to, they know where everybody stands and everybody's trying to beat everybody. And if you think that that's too aggressive of an environment, then you don't like big sales because sales professionals, the top 1%, they love to be in an environment in which there's competition, in which there's goals to shoot for. Uh, benchmarks to shoot for, prizes they love the to recognition. win, prizes they love to win. the recognition. They love recognition. You and I both know that most people are driven by recognition more than the money. It, it, recognition yep. ekes out the money a little bit every time in the studies. But hey, listen, yep. you and I met in a very large internet marketing sales organization. I was the number one guy sale. I was the number one sales guy in that organization for, for probably three straight years before I moved into like a management role with you guys. And if you remember, there was one contest 
And this contest was like, at the time, because they're, you know, this is like, as Google's becoming a search engine, this like the internet thing is kind of new. Do you remember the one contest where you guys gave away a Porsche Boxer? Boxster? Porsche Boxster. This is like an yep. unheard of, con- I mean, it's a little more common today, but it was like, oh my God, everybody went to town to try to win the Porsche. <laughs> it was like, it was like a revival of the sales organization. It was like, Guys were selling already. Girls were saying it was guys and girls, men and women, old and young. People were selling. There was affiliates. But when the Porsche Boxster contest hit, it was like, oh, my goodness. And it was like, I don't know, like a 60-day thing or whatever, which I won the Porsche, by the way. Um, <laughs> and, and, and you know what? That, and the funny thing is it's the recognition thing because if you remember, um, our good friend Mike Dillard had an affiliate contest yeah. one year and they gave away – his partner, Tim Irway's BMW. I remember that. And I remember yeah. it, just, just the fact that they did that. I was like, I'm winning that. And I went out and won it and it he, got shipped down to, to my house here in the Cayman islands. And everywhere I went, people said, Hey, you got a new car. Hey. And I said, Nope, I won it <laughs> for being the best. <laughs> it was so much but better the level than of saying motivation and renewed enthusiasm. And I mean, you know, I keep thinking of golf as such a perfect example of, of the purse at the end and the leaderboard is up and the car is on the 19th hole. That stuff, I mean, these guys want to win anyways. But man, when you have all the little incentives, it just makes it really fun. And think about that for your sales organization is incentivizing your yourself is a different conversation, right? Like, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier today. How do you incentivize your own progress? And it's something that it's a little harder to do, but it's you. You have to really work to do that. Tony Robbins always talks about when you have a win, schedule pleasure, right? Schedule yep. a victory, right? It's really, it's an important thing to do. I struggle with it. I need to do it more. You, you kind of pushed me in a conversation earlier to do that, right? And and it's, it's one of those things. It's easy to do with other people to have the contest and reward them. And, but think about doing, even if you have one salesperson, right, give that person something to shoot for. We're all wired by progress and recognition and, and, yep. and, and awards. And if you don't have any of that awarding system going on within your organization, you're probably, you know, you probably, your sales are, are, are off where they could be. If you do something it quarterly, gets, monthly, you'll get a bump. It gets boring. It, it gets, gets mundane. Like the energy falls, you know, and, and, and when you're the person if you're the sole proprietor, right? This is really important. You gotta set these goals for yourself. You know, we have a mutual friend that um, we work with that we launched his his company a year ago. And I set a goal. I said, if we hit this number, you're buying yourself a Tesla. And he was like, I'm awesome, right? He was so jacked up about it. He wanted a Tesla his whole life. We hit the number, he's like, ah, you know, I'd rather put the money in these other places. And I said, you will not. You will go out today, you will buy the Tesla because you have to reinforce in your own subconscious that, that this isn't just about business and money. This is about rewards and fun and all these things. And then he went out and he got the Tesla and then he was like, oh, it was the greatest thing I ever did. I feel so amazing every time I get in it and I attach it to my success. And is it that you have to set those rewards for yourself because they're so fleeting. Like Tony Robbins talks about all the time, you set this big goal and how long are you actually like stoked for? I mean, Andrew, how long are you stoked for when you hit, you know, when you hit a big goal that you've had for three months? How long did it last? Yeah. I mean, one of my challenges is, is, is I feel like I, I get excited about it, but it doesn't last as long as it, as it, as it should, or, or maybe, I don't right. know if there's a He's right answer, average. but I feel like it's like, you're on to the next thing. And this is, by the way, this is a yep. commonality of high achievers and I'm not trying to brag or anything, but 
if you listen to guys winning the Super Bowl, if you listen to guys winning PGA tournaments, they're going to celebrate that win. They're really happy. It's a huge accomplishment. But in the back of their mind, they're already thinking what's next. And, and, right. and, and you can go there too quick and not enjoy the moment. It's, it's, a, it's a balancing exactly act. Point, right? Is, is, you know, it, you, Tony Robbins says it usually lasts a day. Yeah, a day. Right? Yeah. So sometimes you have to manufacture more than that. You got to say, okay, it's not, I'm not going to allow it to be a day. I'm going to take gonna, three gonna days off or a week it, right? off or I'm going I'm, I'm to do something bigger for myself or maybe I'm going to do something for somebody else. Maybe you don't need anything or anything. Maybe, maybe the reward is you, you're going to you know, send some money to a charity and get right, an point. endorphin hit that way or whatever it is. But you got to stop and you got you to gotta have the goals. You got to celebrate the goals. And if the goals haven't been hit, then you got to analyze why the goals haven't been hit. And then when they do get hit, you got to celebrate it. And then you can start over. And, and you can reset and you can move forward. That's that's how we're wired as humans. That's how we're wired and it's what's going to keep the enthusiasm at play long-term. When you look mm -hmm. at, like, like the two biggest icons that, that exist to me in the world today, by the way, this isn't just in America, this is in the world today, is, and, and when I before I tell you who these two people are, it's because they've been doing it for decades. Very few people do anything well for decades. There's actually three. There's Tom Brady, of course. There's Tom Cruise, who still at 53 is just one hit after he's, he's sidelined a little bit now with the pandemic in production. But man, he continues to bring a player action movies to the table. And the third one is Tony Robbins, who in his 60s is still doing five day, 12 hour a day live events as effective as ever. And these guys, how do they do it for three and four decades straight without ever losing a step? In fact, gaining a step is right? that's and, what and, you want to look at. We how do they through. maintain the enthusiasm of their craft? And how do they maintain, well, right? The let's go, let's go through the list. All three of those people, health first. Yeah, for sure. And, and by the way, people, they're absolutely militant about it. Absolutely militant. Number two, they all are masters at getting in the right state. Right. Masters, right? They know their product inside and out. They are masters and at they their love game. their product inside and out. They, they adore love it. it. They're and living it. It's in their DNA. Right. They know exactly what they're doing, who it's for, mm -hmm. who loves it, who doesn't love it. They play right to those audiences, mm -hmm. right? They are master goal setters. Master yes. goal setters, all and three of those and, guys. And they're really tough on themselves, by the way. Really tough on themselves, but you also, if you look at their lifestyles, they reward themselves for when they reach their goals very, very well, right? And the last one, and, I, and, and it'll be the one that we end with today, is I guarantee every single one of them does this. They manage their mental state. They manage their expectations. One of my favorite quotes of all time when it comes to you know, sales specifically, but, but this, this could go to sports. This could go to anything, right? Is expect the best, but have zero emotional attachment to the outcome, right? I can't tell you, Andrew, when I first started in this industry, how emotionally attached I was to the yes or the no. Mm. First six, seven months you know, of selling my first product to people. Every time somebody said no, where I was like, oh, I think this guy's gonna buy, I think this guy's gonna buy. 
And he was like, Hold no. Hold on too like, tight, right? Ugh. Hold it on too tight. You know? Yeah. And, and I had to go through the education process of learning how to rewire my mind to put myself in that sense of leadership, to put myself in that, that position of being the authority, of letting go of the outcome. There's nothing more repelling and repulsive than somebody being needy, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And, and if you expect the best, like I, I expect that if the right client that my product and service can help the most gets in front of me, every single one of them is getting started. That's my expectation. Because why wouldn't they, right? Occasionally, they don't. And do you know how long I linger on that? A couple minutes. A couple minutes. Eh, in fact, I walk away going, probably save me some emotional strife or you're an idiot. <laughs> Because I, I know what I have, I know who I can help, and I know my presentation, and I, I, I know everything inside and out. I have zero emotional attachment to the outcome. So, so two things on that. Number one is that comes with time. So if you're listening right now and you're like, well, I, just, I can't get out of that holding on too tight state, that is just time in the game selling. And you may be in the game selling a long time, but if you still find yourself into that emotional state that where you get too attached to the outcome, the second part of that is you don't have enough deal flow. So it's two things going on right there, right? You don't have enough deal flow. You get like two leads a week and it's like life or death to make that sale. You could be the greatest salesperson in the world, but you're going to kind of get a little emotionally attached when you don't have enough deal flow behind it. You don't have enough prospects behind it. So it becomes a double-edged sword. So you fix that with great marketing. You always fix yep. it. You always make a sales process great with great marketing. Great marketing, I wrote about this in my book. Great marketing always precedes great sales processes because a great sales process, if it puts one or two people in here and there, it doesn't really get momentum. It doesn't really get to, you don't get to see the potential benefit or the potential power of the sales process if you don't have enough leads coming in. So two things going on right there. Time in the game, eventually you become less emotion, but also having good deal flow for sure will keep you from hanging on so tight to each lead you get. Yeah. And if you struggle with consistent deal flow, you know, you should probably reach out to us because that's one of those things that we can do immediately. I mean, it's two things. It's, it's making sure you, you don't have a leaky bucket first, right? We talk about yep. this in coaching programs all the time is the first thing that needs to be looked at is the foundation. What does the sales process look like right now? Because before I go put a hundred leads a week into it, it better not have four holes in the bucket and the water is coming out the back door, right? That's common. Yep. We talk about that a lot on this show. And behind that comes leads in traffic uh, into the, into the, into the process. So agreed. There were like six or seven right there that for some people, they have two or three of them for others. They have all six or seven. They're knocking the cover off the ball, but I've rarely seen, I rarely see a, a salesperson or a sales process today that methodically has all of them in place. When I do, it is usually somebody whose numbers are huge. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I saw one in, in California about a year and a half ago and they had, uh, they had 150 salespeople and they were just churning money out. Like I have rarely seen in my, my life. Guess is they I mean, had a system. Was, they were organized. There was a process that nobody deviated from. Right. No. And, and, and they had all of the reward stuff and the meat, you know, yeah. they had everything. So dialed. you know who they learned from, you know who they were, they were coached by Grant Cardone. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. They had duplicated his process. Yeah. And listen, salespeople don't wing it either. The last thing I'll say on this point is salespeople don't really wing it. They get themselves into a, into a habit. They get themselves into a mode and they, they don't veer off a lot. They're very, I don't want to say scripted because some people kind of have a, have a, a stigma with scripts, but they start off scripted. 
and then they go Absolutely. and then they go off script and they're memorized script and they have the ability to freelance a little bit, but you get a little finesse in there, get a little finesse in there, but they are very scripted. If you have a sales organization or salespeople that are running on their own agenda and you can't monitor them and they're in three different locations on their cell phones, you have a completely busted sales process. Right. And that's one of the reasons why so many people have been using Pipeline Pro lately is because as, as you run your sales organization, you can see because because you can call from within it, SMS was, from within it, email in it. The calls are recorded inside of it. You can monitor everything that's going on with your sales team and you can quickly see who's going off the reservation and who's staying focused on the product. Accountability. It's not only about seeing what they're what they're saying. It's also seeing what they're doing because you can actually track their activity and salespeople. Listen, at the end of the day, especially if they're from home. A lot of people work from home today. A lot of people are freelance salespeople. They, you need to know exactly how many calls they're making. You need to know exactly what they're saying because they're representing your brand and your company. And if you don't know what they're saying and you're not listening to them, it's a total disconnect. And God only knows what they're saying in most cases. Not all of them, but some of them veer off. It's just human nature. But if you, if you tackle these little principles here that we talked about today for yourself and ultimately for your sales team, man, it's, it, it would be tough not to see your numbers just stacking away in a, in a stair step incline over months and years. Impossible. Impossible. Impossible to fail with, with a system, right? Shouldn't say impossible, Absolutely. but you know, you stack the deck in your favor dramatically. Over time, impossible. Over time, impossible. I'm going to leave it there, Aaron. Good one today on what makes the top 1% the top 1%. So hopefully this was helpful. Uh, success leaves clues. There's a lot of commonalities here in, in what the best do. And uh, Aaron, as always, pleasure. We will see you all next time. Same time, same place. Hey, if you like the show, and you're listening on radio, head over to Apple, head over to Google, head over to Amazon where the show is, and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. What's impacted you? I had a guy yesterday, Aaron, that I was talking to, and he said, I listen to you guys' show religiously every single week, and I just with that pricing strategies episode you did last week, I changed two things in my process, and we already got a bump in revenue because we, were, we weren't priced high enough, and we didn't have another option that we talked about on that last episode. So I love hearing stuff like that. We'd love to hear from you and we'll see you next time. Same time, same place. If you watch us live, 11 a.m. Eastern, every single Friday at the Sales Velocity TV public Facebook page or on the podcast, listen to us on the go. We promise you'll get some nuggets that will absolutely help you sell more with less resistance. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com. See you on the next episode.